0: Hello, and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my substitute co-host, Tim McClure from Blue Oak, LLC, right here in Chicago. Tim, how are you today?
1: I'm great, Chris. I must have done well enough last week to get invited back. It's good to be here.
0: (laughs) Yes, you did. Actually, nobody else said yet. No, I'm kidding. You you did. That was your fourth call. (laughs) And speaking of last week, listeners, let me remind you that Mary is having a very busy month. Uh, As I mentioned last week, Mary is during, this is her crunch time. So Mary Abijay runs a very successful consulting firm called CareerStone. And and December is the closeout for the year and the ramping up for next year, which puts a a lot of pressure on Mary to deliver this month, which means we had two choices. We could have run uh, repeats, or I thought we'd take a chance here because I have a good friend in Tim McClure who can teach us a little bit about strategy. Last week on our session on strategy, Tim uh, gave us a sort of a background about what is is strategy? What does the word mean? How is it relevant to the way we operate? Why is it important? And then talking about how do I convince another that it is important? And then what is involved in that? How do I get them to get what I want them to do? Because you're dealing with a lot of individuals and a lot of ego. How do you build trust in those circumstances? All of those things we discussed. And then how do you have a deliverable? What is the deliverable? As Tim pointed out, it's not the binder. The binder is an outcome of a process. It's the process itself that is critical to the success of the, of the, of the endeavor, because it gets everyone talking about the direction we collectively want to go. And that is as valuable as any binder that they will have on their shelf. And that's where we left it off last week. This week, I'll, a quick review of who Tim is. Tim McClure is a strategic advisor to entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and leadership teams. He is the founder uh, and chief operating officer of Blue Oak LLC. Blue Oak LLC is located here in Chicago. Tim, in fact, lives in the neighborhood that I am a part of, and I have known Tim. Actually, he's been working for in this capacity for three decades, and I have known him 25 years of those three decades. He lives here in Chicago with his... Lovely family, Susie, Suzanne, a a psychotherapist, and their two wonderful children who I've seen go from very small to gigantic, Jonah and Francis. So I will bring Tim back, and this week's talk, we're going to focus on now the nuts and bolts. It's one thing to talk about the big, broad strokes of what it is and how do you convince people to do it. It's quite another thing to say, how is it done? And so what we're going to do in this episode is go behind the curtain and reveal the secrets of strategy with my colleague here, Tim. So by the way, is strategy a a, a secret? Is it a top secret? I mean, is is it a secret, your strategy, or do you share it? How does this play?
1: People think of strategy as uh, we put all this time in. This is this is kind of the cheat code for our business. We d- we don't want anybody to know about this, and uh, yeah, of course we don't want confidential information you know loose in the wild. Our financials or certain uh, performance data that, that's fine. Uh, also, if we're making um, kind of sensitive changes to people's roles or where they report, if we're moving the chess pieces around a little bit, there's a there's a right way to handle that, and that's not just by releasing this out to everybody, but Um, it's really critical uh, as we kind of round the corner on the planning process. So we talked last time, right? We've got a planning team, you know, five, six, seven uh, executives from the company, from the organization. We've met three or four or five times, half day at a time, and we've built a body of work. Who are we? Where are we going uh, and how we're going to get there? And so the, the first thing is when we get to the how we're going to get there stage, this is where we open the tent, as it were. So we take mm-hmm. these five or six or seven people have been who've been doing planning, and we go out one ring from the bullseye, and we say, "All right, that next layer of management, uh, twenty or thirty people, how do we bring them in on this? We we want them to lay hands on it before the product is done, so they have some ownership, they have some accountability. If we just tell them what to do, uh, that never goes well. But if they're if they're there helping us figure out who needs to do what and in what order. Um, that's a great benefit. So kind of the first wave of getting this out is, um, uh, sort of that, you know, if you're kind of thinking of the classic pyramid structure, that next level down, um, mm-hmm. let's give them a good debrief on this. So uh, last time we talked about retreats and I, I was a, a little bit negative about the retreat. It's very difficult mm-hmm. to hammer out a strategy in the course of, uh, uh you know, one days wh- or two days while you're on the beach. But when we're almost done, that's an excellent opportunity to bring in that next level of management. They might be there anyway. Let's take a day. Let's catch them up on what we've been doing. Let's get them read in on our strategy process. And then let's put them to work. Break up into teams. Let's chunk out this work. Let's decide who's in the best position to do this project, that initiative, etc. So they're not just hearing about the strategy. They are um, putting pen to paper and finishing you know, the last chapter of
0: that binder that we talked about. So, this is part of your your process then right you 're not just talking to them on uh, the senior leadership and saying, "What do you want to do what direction do you want to do and then do market research in support of that and you know asking as we 've said in the last episode you are you are literally in a room with all of these people shaping its execution, so now you 're going from the strategic to the operational is that what you 're doing in that day
1: one hundred percent and so and, and it kind of goes hand in hand with communication with sharing this with the organization and so what will happen is Um, Every level deeper we go, we will continue to get those folks up to speed on strategy, but in a much more simplified and condensed message, right? So the, the people who run the company have been authoring this, have had their hands in it for two months. The next group gets a full day to say, hey, here's the full document. Here's what we're doing. Here's why you need to know this is happening. What did we miss? Help us fix this if there's anything that if you see any gaps, if there's anything that we left out. And then when you start getting into frontline employees rank and file maybe they get a one page version of the strategy. Uh and mm-hmm. you have to assume that it's going to be just assume it's going to be published on the internet. So you don't want anything that's sensitive in everybody's right. hands. But if you know if you've decided listen, we've been in the product game for a while, we're going to start introducing services starting with X next month. People need to know that that's coming. That's that's totally fine. So it's the right message for the right audience and, and it doesn't stop there uh, you know when we're done with this um, stuff will appear on your website in marketing materials if you've got a new mission if you've got some service standards or core values that you're committed to this is good stuff to put out in the world for customers to learn about suppliers partners anybody who's interested in your business investors certainly uh, and investor materials can come out of out of the strategy process as well so the more people who know at the right level The Mm -hmm. more information they have, the more they understand, the more aligned they are. And then, and then as these projects come to life or we get them to change what they do, they'll understand why.
0: Well, let me back this up a little bit because I'm still at this uh, second ring down because the the executives all have bought in and they control the purse strings of the people that report to them. They control the futures of the people that report to them. Now, they're saying this is what we're going to do. What are your thoughts on that is what they're saying to these people during that session over the course of a day. How much realistic, how realistic is it to push back in a session like that if you are one of these people or do you just comply? Well, Well, you know this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's a uh, that's a classic case, right? We, we, we want to make sure that we've teed up what we're going to do in the right way. So if you remember, we talk about the three fundamental questions. Who are we? Mm-hmm. Where are we going? How are we going to get there? It's the purview of the executive team that did the planning. This is the who are we. Uh, this is the where are we going. If the group, this is the first audience to see it. Is any of this unclear? Do you have questions? Does it make sense? Does it not add up? We want that kind of feedback. When we get right. to the how are we going to get there, we need help. These are the people that are closer to the work. They're closer to the front line. So given this, we've decided we need to develop a half dozen new products. We need to open an office in Indiana. Uh, we need to get our, mm-hmm. our defect rate down in the plant. You are the people who make this happen. Let's start brainstorming. How are we going to make these things? The line is, is out there. These are what we've right. decided are the priorities. The nitty gritties of who needs to get involved... What's the core problem here? How are we going to fix it? What's a reasonable time frame? Is it going to cost money? These people go to work on that. And so it's not, it's a combination of I'm giving you context and then I'm handing you a pen to fill out, you know, again, think of it as the last two pages in this strategy book.
0: Right. No, I, I can. I so get this. I, I just was thinking of this example. Years ago, I read a book called Copycats and, and it talks about the uh, what's called the correspondence problem. And the correspondence problem is, look, I got this. I'm I'm United and they I think he used the example of United Airlines. I'm United Airlines and uh, I'm you know, I'm a big but I see the competition. I see uh, Southwest or all these smaller airlines, these low budget airlines. And so what I'm going to do as this corporate big shot, you know, what we're going to do, we're going to create Ted, Ted Airlines, Ted Airlines was Ted, and it was their low cost airlines. Well, that was a huge bust because there was a huge disconnect between their strategic vision of what they wanted to achieve and what they could actually do in the marketplace, because they didn't even take into account that the cheap airlines or I say cheap airlines, but the discount airline like Southwest, those those, for instance, the the uh, flight attendants clean their own planes. Well, United has has unions for each. Doesn't going to work. So my point is, is sometimes there are there discoveries like saying, "Hey, this strategy is going to really fly," and then all of a sudden you realize, "Whoa, no, that's not going to happen."
1: Yeah, I mean, we we try to avoid that at all costs. <laughs> I
0: imagine the, you do, right?
1: If you've got the right people on the planning <laughs> team, if you've got the head of sales and marketing and the two guys who run your two facilities and the um, uh, the gals who are in charge of HR and accounting, and, and they're all in the room. Um, there shouldn't be any big potholes uh, that we didn't see. That said, if somebody sees something that doesn't add up, or the timing doesn't work, or whatever, that feedback's great. And, and again, we haven't gone live yet. It's sort of the soft open of the restaurant by bringing uh, okay. these people in. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're kind of convicted. We've we've articulated where we want to take this business, and so that's not going to change. Uh, there's plenty of nuance and discussion to be had about how and who mm-hmm. and in what order, uh, and that's where this group can add a whole lot of value.
0: And do you massage your strategy as a consequence of having listened to them over the course of that day? Is there any input? You know what I'm saying? Do you say you because you're you really see things more clearly than anyone because you have you have much in my view, a more objective view.
1: Yeah, and, and what will happen? Um, and this is a this is a happy consequence, but it's, it can be a problem. Is the planning team who's been living with this content and has pride of ownership and has been privy to it for three months? Another group comes in and they point their finger and they say, "That's not clear. Or, what does that word mean?" And, and it's like, "No, we we don't want to change this. We've you know we, we we've built this is our baby. We don't want to change our baby." And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to step in and say, if it's not clear to them, it's going to be even less clear to the people who work for them and the people right. who work for them. So this feedback's a gift. Like, listen, we haven't gone live yet. If people, you know, don't like the duck larange, we got to change something. So, yeah, no, you know, going back to our soft open at the restaurant.
0: I see. Because I, I remember reading a book uh, years ago on strategy, and I like this guy. He was one of my favorite authors, I uh, think David Meister. You know David sure. Meister, I believe. Yeah, really good. And I think his book was called The... Um, strategy and the fat smoker
1: strategy and the fat smokers fantastic right. that's, you don't even need to read the book
0: that's it and and the whole point of this was he was talking about himself when he talked about the fat smoker he smoked he knew that he and he knew that he shouldn't be smoking and he knew he had to lose weight and his point is look i know we have to do these things but doing these things is painful and that's part of by the way do you change the performance evaluation systems as a consequence of this because i gotta believe you it's almost you'd have to, I don't know, I'm just guessing here,
1: you know it depends on how drastic the strategy is. Are we uh, taking a okay. left turn, are we taking a right turn, and, and you know something you can you learn in business school, strategy and structure go hand in hand, so even if the strategy's right, if we're not set up to execute it, if we don't have the right people in the right places, um, we're going to struggle so. Depending on how transform, uh, transformational something might be, we might need to realign who reports to whom, how many of a certain role we have, create a new position. There could be all kinds of cheese being moved all over the place. Not mm-hmm. not in every case, but certainly in some cases. Uh, and when that happens, you get into things like performance evaluation, set structures for a sales team. We have to make sure that the rewards are aligned with the behavior we're trying to get.
0: I see. And then the other question I have is, let's say they do everything you ask them to do, which they will. And they go through these, I will call the concentric circles further and further out. Everyone's on board. You execute you and they implement. They're having some success with it. It starts to build. How long does this wave last? Meaning, are you brought in at the peak and to say, okay, maybe we have to rethink about what we do next? or, Or do you wait? Do they wait till there's new pain involved before they bring you back?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And, you know, in some cases there's a little bit of a personal trainer role that I play, meaning I'm mm-hmm. going to come back with in some, with some frequency at some regularity uh, to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to do. Sometimes that's not needed at all. And there's somebody internally who can play that. But again, if you go back, we have this kind of strategy document and the back end of it is, you know, 10 things that we've got to get done this year. These are initiatives, they're projects, imperatives, whatever you want to call them. Um, people doing work that they wouldn't otherwise be doing if we didn't have this strategy. Management needs to be statusing on this on a regular basis, mm-hmm. right? That's what keeps yeah. it live. Uh, this is working. We're done. Bring the next thing in. We're off track here. Why is it still the right thing to do? If they're doing that on a regular basis, um, then... They're self-sufficient. That's 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 the model. As I my, my goal is to make myself obsolete. Sometimes um uh, they're able to take it and run. Other times, again, if they don't have this discipline, if they're not used to having a, a weekly management meeting, let alone a, a monthly strategy review. Sometimes we run the first two or three or four of them just to, like a personal trainer would. This is the this is these are the exercises you do. Let's make sure your form is good.
0: And now you've got it, you can go and do it on your own. That's so interesting. I've always been a believer in a job should have some kind. Some jobs should be self-liquidating, uh, and you're you're addressing that. A self-liquidating job is we've achieved what we've wanted to achieve. I'm done here. I am going. Whereas sometimes you are in these positions that perpetuate uh, problems or creation of problems, just simply because I, I wouldn't have a job if there weren't if I didn't keep bringing up you know new strategies, new ideas, or, or whatever that would be.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're trying Otherwise, to excuse me, make yourself obsolete. One, one of the things that yes, happens when we I like get that. to these, these rollout meetings is you gotta, you'll have some people, maybe the stragglers on the planning team, are just kind of nodding and going along. And then we start talking about, oh, we're going to roll this out to that next concentric circle. Okay, great. So w- when are you going to do it? And I look at them and I say, I'm not going to do it you're going to do it. This is your strategy. You've got to present it to your people. And then all of a sudden people, they, they kind of sit up straight in their chair right, right. and they take that red pen out and they go back and say, well, wait a minute. What about this word? What about this number? Yeah. And, and that's how once they know that they're the face of this, that they've got to make this happen, that this isn't some, the consultant's not going to do it. Uh, right. the, the, the level of ownership can change dramatically. And, and that's a good thing
0: ah so what you're, you're one of the things you would advocate of course it makes total sense is you advocate ownership of whoever has to do what and and when they have to do it and how will we know all of those things come part and parcel to how you would operate with a team is yep. that correct
1: that's exactly right
0: well now you said this though uh, this was when it works it's all when it works is what you've been talking about have you had any you know situations where it, it got ugly it got ugly like really ugly i mean you can change the name of the company you don't have to tell us name although i wouldn't care if you told me <laughs>
1: I, I'm a professional. I've been doing this for a long time. So yeah, we've all got horror stories. I'll bet, um, right? They they kind of fall into a couple of different categories. There's one if there's a problem, and I've and I've kind of learned to I try to identify this up front, but. Um, if you've got to get a read on the leader again whether that's the CEO the owner the executive director the managing partner whoever it is who's calling the shots right. you really need to know what that person is up to um and and you can run into trouble with what i call sort of the dictator in disguise um my wife the therapist might call the overpromoted narcissist uh or some people call the asshole that's a s k h o l e asshole so I was working with the the president of a company. Let's call him Bob. Um, uh-huh. Yes, that's his real name, and he should be ashamed of himself. Anyway, he wanted to b- build a plan to grow his business. They had some industry concentration. It was very cyclical. It was a, kind of a perfect thing, like, yes, we need to get our group together and walk through some stuff. We were working our process, having our meetings, and after each one, he got more frustrated and he got more angry, and it, it didn't make any sense to me. We were having great conversations. The team was participating. We were challenging assumptions. Uh, It it was exactly what you wanted it to be. And the problem was Bob. The problem was that he was an asshole. He didn't really want other people's opinion. He was dug in on his ideas of what should happen. He didn't share that with anyone. Uh, He didn't make a compelling case for what he wanted to happen. And he just got angry whenever anybody suggested something other than what he thought was supposed to happen even when it was a fantastic idea that at least deserved some conversation, so what happened it it sucked that was that's awful
0: yeah so but right, but then if 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 it's not going to work based on what he is doing and you see that it's not going to work, do you intervene, or do you just what do you, i mean what can you do It's a very difficult thing to place to be
1: yeah you you have to and his, his team of smart people that were committed they were they were participating in the process, they were doing everything they needed to do so you know, sometimes a big part of my role is having that uncomfortable conversation. Right. Um, and as the outside person, this is part of the job. Um, and, you know, it's happened enough times now that I, I kind of know how to do it, but it's never fun, especially with a guy like this. And I just laid out to him what was happening. You're not going to be any better off. Your, your people feel like they've been betrayed in this process and finally got him to admit, you know, that there were some things he thought should happen. And I said, that, that's fine. We need to get this on the table. We need to present these as givens or planning assumptions. Um, where are you flexible and where are you not? Uh, and we were able to kind of clear the air there and go back to the team and say, hey, listen, guys, let's do a reset. We know this stuff's got to happen. There's a whole lot of white space around that in terms of what else needs to happen, or in what order and how. And they said no problem, and they just went right back to work. And we, you know, we landed the plane, Um, but it was bumpy because you know this guy just wanted everyone to agree with him, and they didn't, and they shouldn't have, and that's a problem.
0: Well, he's a he's he if, if we think in terms of Marshall Goldsmith, what got him there won't get him, you know, what got him here won't get him there. And I see the challenge with somebody like the Bob is yeah. that he's he, he pretends to change his behavior in a circumstance, but he doesn't change his behavior at the core. And I think what's going to happen is eventually I, I have no idea what happened to this company, but my theory is it is not as robust as it could have been.
1: Yeah, it, it it took longer for them to get to where they needed to get, but but they got there. I mean, you know, again, he was let's use the term, he was an asshole. And there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing more damaging than asking people for input and then not taking it. Like if you're not going to take it, it, don't ask them. And if you yeah. if you ask them, then you you need to at least close the loop and explain why you're going to keep doing what you're doing. And, and he just wasn't able to do that.
0: Yeah, that's a lovely trait in a human being. <laughs> By the way, you got any other ones? Any other ones? I like these horror
1: horrors. Oh, that's that's kind of the biggest. That's the biggest. The other one, the other one that I run into, and I'm sure, um, knowing you a little bit, you'll appreciate this. The other one is 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 sort of the rip current. You know, like when you're at the beach and you get caught in a rip current. Yeah, yeah. Rip
0: current. And you're pushed out to the sea.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just out. You're splashing around. You're having a fine time. You're working on your tan, and all of a sudden, you're you know you're you're in Pomona. Like this is just right. what happens. So. Anyway, this could be um, board members with strong opinions. Um, sometimes mm. you, you get you get a board member um, who's so in love with the planning approach that they used when they were the CEO of blah 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 mm. Incorporated, uh, and right. we really, enjoyed, oh, I love that. You know, this is this is how yeah. you need to do your job. Uh, thank <laughs> you, sir. Uh, or other times it's a shareholder, an investor, you know, somebody who's got a thumb on the scale trying to steer the group into a decision or away from a decision. You know, uh, just sort of outside interference. I was, I was working with a publicly traded company, a decent size, a couple hundred million, trying to get to a billion dollars. That was their aspiration. Um, and the board members, again, public company had been there forever, like, you know, since the Carter administration. It's like, Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. And it, it wasn't that we had one know-it-all is that we had all know-it-alls. Uh, So, you know, I've got one guy. This is the framework from Motorola. You need to use that. No, no, no. This other guy. This is the framework from 3M and we're going to spin off this division, aren't we? Uh, Where's the SWOT analysis? They're, you know, they're in my kitchen and it's just, I have no (laughs) tolerance for this. Um, so that, that's terrible. So what you have to do is you, you have to, you take a breath and you have to reset, um, and take a step back and get everybody to understand the goals and the roles. Um, and the secret weapon here is meatloaf. Uh, Meatloaf the food, uh, not meatloaf the musician. Uh, musician. RIP, meatloaf the musician. No, so you know, you got to kind of step back and say, all right, everybody has a come from. Yes. Right. And so we talk about meatloaf. When I was a kid, my mom made meatloaf. My friend next door, his mom made meatloaf. Two streets over, her mom made meatloaf. None of the recipes were the same. Uh, The side dishes were different, but if you were there for dinner, like you recognized it at meatloaf and it was fine and it worked. And so I like to talk about meatloaf with these people and say, you loved your framework and you loved your framework, but you've got to trust the process. We're eating my meatloaf here. We're going to end up in a good place. It's going to work. We can't do a Frankenstein's monster of you like this piece and you like that. No, this is all going to work. Just relax. Just trust. We're going to get there. And sometimes it's just, Naming the problem and clearing the air and saying, you know, everybody take a step back and we we got one guy driving the bus and it's not any of you.
0: Well I I let me uh for the listeners uh, in the last show Tim talked about this notion. He does have a he has a frame. I've seen Tim in action and he's quite good and at the, the very last show we talked about what he's doing. It's a series of decisions that he has ordered out in terms of the process that he used. So there is a, a very good framework that he is using. My question to you is actually I have two questions for you Tim. One is I'm 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 a potential buyer of a service. How do I what questions should I be asking in search of somebody like you? What what things should I be looking for in in the other? You see what I'm saying cuz again I got to trust you deeply at some point. So what should I be asking or doing to to investigate a person like yourself?
1: Yeah, the, <clears throat> excuse me. That's a good that's a good question. So we have we have two kinds of potential clients, right? We have those that are sort of Died in the wool industry and those that are industry agnostic. So in some places like healthcare, they only want to work with somebody who's got deep experience in the healthcare industry that knows that inside and out works with those companies. If that's Mm -hmm. who you are, great. That's the first kind of on your search. Um, that's not the way I approach it. It's very process based. I work with all different companies, all different sizes, pre revenue startups to multi billion dollar companies, every kind of business you can think of. Um, but you want somebody who, can demonstrate how this is going to go and what you're going to get. So the, the, the biggest disappointments with consulting in general, not certainly not me, but you know, the word on the yeah, street. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it takes longer than they said. It costs more than they said. And I didn't get what they said. Um, and so you've got to, you've got to talk to somebody. Is it a cultural fit? Does somebody's operating style fit with how you and your team like to work? Um, you know, are you hard chargers? Are you more laid back? Has this person done it before? Can they explain what they're going to do? Some of this is very you know, it's ethereal, like, w- w- what do I get, right? So can right. you show examples of the work? Can you come in and run a meeting and, and give somebody a feel for your style? Um, You know, any kind of try before you buy, I think is a good way to go, mm-hmm. because you're putting a lot of trust in this person, you're going to spend a couple of months working with them. Um And if if, if it's a good fit, you're going to have an outcome that changes your business forever and has tremendous returns. Uh, if not, Uh, You know, you're back in the dentist chair, and it's not good.
0: Well, that was the other thing I was going to ask you about that because this this notion here of try before you buy, are there also some people that aren't actually going to buy, but they want to try you? You see what I'm saying? That they want to leverage you. I've had that where somebody will say, "Well, you know, we're going to come in. We'd like to have you give a talk, and if it goes well, we'll hire you the next time." I'm thinking, why would I? Why why would I do that? Why would I do that? Yeah, Uh, but. I understand their point, but I, I wouldn't do that.
1: There, there was more of that in the early days. I don't know if my radar has gotten better to kind of steer oh, okay. around those folks. Right. But in there are certain cases, I, I was at a ca- a conference once and I saw um, a presentation from somebody who uh, ran a, a nonprofit and their, their whole thing was getting... Um, books into the hands of students in Africa. And I was just moved by what they did. And I said, listen, I would love to help you. Uh, here's what I do. Can I run a meeting for you? Can I help you put a plan together? Do you need materials to kind of state your case to other people? Uh, I approached them and I'm happy to do this. And and they ended up ultimately being a client. And, and that's the last thing I thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, f- I find, um, you know, a lunch or a coffee is a good way to go. Like, I'm happy to kind of give you some tips, kind of one-on-one, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to give away the show. It doesn't, it doesn't really right. work like that. Um, unless somebody's serious enough, um, you know, it, it also matters who's bringing you in. If the kind of the person who runs the place, and I'm sure you run into this as well with the work that you do. If I'm talking to the decision maker, the person who runs this organization, that's good. Sometimes it's a lieutenant who's got to make, make a decision, has got to sort of sell you up the chain. Yeah. If you're in that situation, then sometimes, yeah. You know, I don't mind coming in. Oh, let me run a meeting for you for a half an hour or let's get on a, a teams or a zoom call. I can't send you output because it's all sensitive, but I can uh, flip through a half dozen of these and you're going to get the joke. You're going to understand tangibly uh, what you're going to get at the end of this. And then, you know, I've been doing this a long time. Um, if somebody wants references, you say, "Yeah, hey, here's 10 names, call all of them. Uh, and the more right. people you talk to, whatever you have to do to get comfortable. Uh, but at some point, um, you know if they don't see them if they don't see the incredible opportunity that's being presented to them by working right, with sure. me well you
0: absolutely know, i know no lost. no some people are foolish which brings me to the my last I'm question not because chase you. No, no, and what we've talked about in this episode, the first episode we really talked about what is strategy and how you do all of those things around that in terms of why why I would want you, what what what's the value of that. This episode we've talked about more the nuts and bolts of how you execute against a plan for this and how you get people to get buy-in, how some horror stories around that. Now, the last thing I'll ask you is, look, you are a, a successful entrepreneur and you have been doing this for th- 30 years as an entrepreneur, and I think Mary is a successful entrepreneur. I've never asked this question of Mary. I'd like to ask this question of Mary, but I think you have to have certain traits that allow you to do this. What are some of the traits? Because I think of some of our listeners, oh, by the way, I believe this of a lot of people, is they would like to run their own shop. I think everyone has the dream to say, I'd like to control my destiny. What traits should you have in your particular, what what traits do you think are critical to the success of somebody who's as entrepreneurial and successful as you are?
1: Uh, That's a good question. Are you asking in general or in
0: my No, you, 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 Tim, you, Tim McClure. What are you, you're doing this on your own. And so what, 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 what are the, what's your secret sauce? What are the things about you that people key into what?
1: Yeah, I I think it comes down to um and and you know I've been told this so um it's validated by clients but it's really it's it's this art plus science meaning mm. um art meaning we've got to be able to to coordinate a group of very strong personalities who don't agree with each other and are not exactly sure why they're sitting in this room. So there's a certain element the art of it is the facilitation, the understanding right. of somebody's really saying the brokering of agreement. You've got to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, if you, if you look at my website or the footer to my email, it says, um, Blue Oak Research and Strategy. What I always say is if you hire me for research, you're going to get some strategy because that data is worthless if we're not making good decisions around it and vice versa. If you hire me for strategy, you're going to get some research because we need good information to make good decisions. Um, and so the other half, the science part is being analytical, being able to pull data to do market research to get information, um, and, and really use that to replace opinions. That's the other real pothole you can run into is somebody is dug in on their opinions. Uh, the, the plant manager knows exactly what's wrong with the quality issue. The CFO knows exactly why, um, the financials look this way, but they don't know each other's backyard. And so you've got to bring that data to the table. Uh, so that everybody has the same understanding and they can make good decisions.
0: I think that's great. Uh, there are other traits that Tim possesses, if I were going to talk about Tim over another episode, but he is possessed, too, of he's a great listener, he's amenable to hearing what you're saying and really trying to understand that. He's very comfortable with ambiguity and the anxiety that comes with working for yourself because you have to have a pipeline. And the pipeline is sometimes overly full or sometimes underly fed. And you have to say, okay, this too shall pass or this too, I will, you know, things will change as we go along. So he's possessed of many of the traits that I think uh, any entrepreneur would love to have. Tim, Speaking of love to have, I loved having you on the show. This has been great. I miss Mary, don't get me wrong. I like Mary, but I'm I loved having you because you've taught me things I did not know about it all. And I think that's part of this cuz we spend this show giving advice on how to handle a particular problem, but you've actually taught me about how what is what is strategy and how that helps us. So, Having said that, thank you very much, Tim. Uh, Listeners, thank you very much. Uh, The next time we have the show, I don't know when this will be. It should be Mary. I'm hoping Mary comes back because December will end at some point, and then she will be back in the docket. And I hope to have Tim back sometime as well because this has been very educational because Tim not only knows about this, as he said, strategy. Tim's an authority in market research, and he's an authority, which I love, The voice of the customer, which I find a very interesting topic all unto itself, which I think we might explore at some future date. Tim, thank you very much. Listeners, thank you very much. I bid you all adieu.